Grab your popcorn and snacks. Find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Good evening, everybody. I hope everybody's had a great day. We're finally sliding in closer to Thursday, which is uh, to Friday, right? Tomorrow's Friday. It's a Thursday. I'm all lost. I made my days are all confused. Every time there's a holiday on a Monday, I get all confused. Like all last week threw me off. Anyway, welcome to the show. My name is Charlotte. I'm going to be your host for the next hour. I'm also the owner of the uh, California Haunts Paranormal. Uh, See, I can't even get my lips to work today. I'm also the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team, based out of Sacramento, California. We are 45 strong up and down the state of California, which means if you think you have a paranormal thing going on in your house or your business, we can get to you. It might take us a while. California is a big state, but we will get to you and help you out. And if we can't do it personally, I uh, we have five uh, mediums on staff who can do it remotely by phone. How's that grab you? Anyway, I want to welcome everybody. We've got a great show lined up tonight. I'm really excited to have this guest on. Um, Ann Rule is, I'm sorry, Ann Rule's daughter. <laughs> Leslie, I apologize. See, I got Rule on my head. Leslie Rule is with us, and she is the daughter of, of, of a famous crime writer, Ann Rule. See, that's how I got confused for a second there. And uh, she's written not only crime books, which she's just got, which she's just releasing, but she's got a story to tell about haunted places, including growing up in a haunted house. So we're going to get with her in a minute here. After I do the rest of these confusing intros, and uh, again, if you're watching from Facebook and you like what you hear tonight, please be sure to hit that follow button if you haven't done so already, and hit the like button. I want you to show me some love. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube tonight, there's a little ghost in the bottom right-hand corner. I think he's there. I didn't notice it last night when I was watching the lives. Anyway, the ghost with the magnifying glass and the Sherlock Holmes hat on, click on him. And that will put you on the subscribe button, because if you haven't subscribed already, you're missing out. I've got 541 videos sitting over there, and they're all different topics. Because I'm a journalist, I don't like to stay on the same topic over and over and over. So you'll find all kinds of different things, like I, I do spousal abuse and anything you can think of. People that eat bugs, you name it. So uh, check it out, because I think you'll see something that you like. And, you know, and then if you hit subscribe, You'll be notified every time we put a new video out or we're going to go on like tonight, right? You'll be notified. Okay. We're also on TikTok under California Haunts, which is all, all lowercase. So be sure to look us up on TikTok because we've got some, some fun things on TikTok as well as synopsis from our shows and, and everything else. And we're also over at Twitter at Kel Haunts. So there's multiple ways to contact us. And uh, I hope you take advantage of them. And I, and I hope you either subscribe or start following because... Uh, we're rolling right along with these shows. All right. That being said tonight, and again, I hope everybody had a great day. Let me enlarge this because I'm blind as a bat. So let me enlarge this so I can read your comments. At the same time, watch the screen and then read your comments. So that being said, I'm going to bring my guest in. And like I said in the intro, she has some interesting stories to tell about haunted locations. But... She also has an interesting story to tell about growing up in a haunted house. So hopefully we'll be able, be able to get her to talk about that. Ladies and gentlemen, Leslie Rule. Hi. 
Thanks Hello, for having Leslie. me. I'm oh, great. Sorry. sorry for saying Anne and then switching to Leslie. We're just on my head, you know. People do that all the time. And I'm proud of my mom, so I don't mind. That works. Tell me about you. I'm an author and I have a number of books. I have five nonfiction books about ghosts. Um, I also have a true crime book about an Omaha love triangle murder. My last book, my recently published book is called Haunted in America. And um, it's stories derived from the first four, like some of the favorites, but there's mm -hmm. also about a hundred pages of new stories and updates added on the original stories. Because one of the things that I try to do when I research and write about ghosts is delve into the history. And I go deeper than most people do. I, I just keep digging until I find something that matches what's being seen in the haunted place. Well, that so makes sense. This, that makes a lot of sense. So with this new book, it was such a luxury because the, the first book, Coast to Coast Ghosts, I started in the mid-1990s. It was published in 2001. And I had to fly across the country to whatever place I was researching and go to, it would usually be either the library or the newspaper office and search the archives to try to find things that had happened. Um, most often, the really haunted places tend to be tied to violent deaths such as accidents, murder, suicide. So I would search archives looking for a case of someone who died on or near the premises that, that looked like the apparition that was being seen. Mm -hmm. Now, that was a lot of work. And that was before everybody was online and you had to get the microfish and lace it into the, into the machine and have the librarian help. And now... I don't have to get off the couch. I subscribe to numerous uh, online newspaper banks. And that didn't exist 20 years ago. No, it didn't. No, no. I've had all kinds of stuff that I'm really excited about sharing, things that validated the hauntings that I had written about earlier. I remember those days well as a newspaper reporter and having to go down and go through those bloody microfiches. Yeah. That was insane. Remember how the light bulb would burn out? Yeah. And then you have to put a dime in and try to move the thing so it was. To this day, I can still I can still see my hand on the side flipping that you know making yeah. that thing turn. And, and there were. Go ahead. I was gonna say there's were insects on the tape and all kinds of stuff like that. And then God forbid you 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 roll over it. You know when you're doing this. Right. Because then you got to figure out how to get back to it, which which really sucked. That was tough. That was really that was. But at the time, it seemed like a miracle that we could look at that stuff. Now it sounds really primitive, but yeah, that's all we had back then. Even at the advent of all this internet and everything, when I worked out in Woodland at the newspaper there, they still kept older copies of the paper on microfiche. So are they online now? I got, I'm assuming they are. I haven't been there in a while, but yeah, I would think they are by, by now, but that was like a good, like you say, a good 10, 10, 11 years ago. And yeah, even more, maybe 13 years ago. And I remember that going in because I, I they would keep like hard copies in the building, but they didn't want right. you taking the hard copies for your articles because then they wouldn't have the extra hard copies. So yeah, the idea was to get it on fish and do the printout. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. yeah. That's great now. 
it's really fun to research because it's what just about court it, records. I haven't been to courts in a long time because I remember we going even going to court was a pain in the rumpus because they bring out all the files and dump them and yeah. you have to go through all the blacked out stuff and try and figure all their stuff out. Is, is My mom loved well? to go to trials. That was her favorite thing in the whole world was to go to the trials. And I often went with her. I, I started shooting the killers with my camera for her when I was about 17. So I'd go with her and uh, it was pretty interesting. That was before court TV. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And where did she, where did she go to some humdingers? Yeah. She had some interesting cases for sure. Absolutely. So um, talking about your interest in ghosts and stuff, I mean, I know there's people that are curious about that, but a lot of people that dive into it, like you or me, there's always a reason why. Yeah. And what 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 made you do this? Well, I was always fascinated with ghosts mm -hmm. because I grew up in a haunted house. Um, I thought everybody lived in a haunted house. I was really surprised as I grew up and realized that some people didn't believe in ghosts. It's like, what? You don't? How could you not believe? It's like not believing in the refrigerator. Aren't they everywhere? Um, of course, in my family, we tend to be more sensitive, but mm -hmm. some people just don't pick up on anything around them that is not of this plane. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I wanted to to prove the existence of ghosts, that, that they actually existed. I wanted to prove it to myself, because even though I lived in a haunted place, I was still skeptical. Everybody else was. So I decided that the way I could do that was to find the validating information that we were just talking about to find mm -hmm. the deaths that matched a, a scenario in a haunted place. And also to try to find multiple witnesses who had seen the same thing at a particular location. And if two different people or more could describe an apparition in the same way, and those people didn't know each other, but they both seen a particular ghost at a hotel or a restaurant, Mm -hmm. That was pretty validating. So those were the kinds of things I was looking for. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And when you talk about living in a haunted house, what, what type of things happened? What, what type of activities you experienced? It was on a windy cliff overlooking Puget Sound in Des Moines, Washington, a suburb of Seattle. And it was built on a graveyard. And we didn't actually see ghosts there, but we had some really odd things happen. When my parents were uh, getting the house ready for us to move in, they needed to do some remodeling. Mm -hmm. It had been my father's house when he was uh, growing up and my parents purchased it from his parents. And as they were working, my mom was really good at wallpapering and tiling and all that stuff. My dad would be, you know, nailing and taking down walls and putting up new walls. They would hear the phone ring persistently yeah. and they'd walk to the wall where the old fashioned phone had once been mounted. There was the big rectangular indentation um, with wires sticking out. And wires don't ring, but it would continue to ring as they stood there. Wow. And my wow. parents were not afraid of ghosts. And I think we get a lot of our attitude about that from our parents. So mm -hmm. I wasn't, I was spooked as a child, but I wasn't afraid. That makes any sense. That does make sense. Now, when you talk about your house being on a cemetery, I've done some research, and it was a Native American cemetery, wasn't it? 
Yes. Um, I don't know if they were right under our house, but they were right next to it for sure. There was um, a road put in right below our house that led down to the beach. That now that same road now leads down to the Des Moines Marina. And my grandfather, my father's father, John Rule, was 10 years old when they first put that road in. And he and the neighborhood boys watched as they dug up the ground and they pulled up canoes full of skeletons. These were sacred burial sites. And the skeletons uh, would be in their uh, canoes with jewelry and offerings. And the neighborhood boys were really disrespectful. They raided at the grave. One kid stuck a skull on a fence post. And it was a, a huge scandal um, in the neighborhood. But so it was a it was a desecrated grave. Um, and that may have something to do with the activity that was there. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Now, when you talk, you talk about the ringing phone, what, what other activity was there when you talk about activity? Well, the most intense experience I had, I was 12 years old and I was in my basement bedroom and I was reading, I was on the bed when all of a sudden I heard a heart wrenching sobbing and I thought it was my sister. She was a couple of years older than me. And I thought, oh, she's had some crisis over a boy. She sounded really upset. So I jumped up and ran out into the hall. And then the crying seemed like it was in the next room. And I chased it all over the house, probably for a minute. And it always was one room away. And then it just faded. And it was startling because it was such an intense sobbing somebody's heart was breaking and I found my mom in the kitchen and she hadn't been crying. She was making dinner. My sister wasn't at home. Uh, my brothers were playing basketball in the backyard. And I learned later that the crying was heard throughout the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was a Saturday when a neighbor came to our house. She lived up on sixth Avenue and she asked my mom if she would come check out the cellar of her house with her because they were hearing odd noises. Mm -hmm. And this house backed up to a field and, and Sandy was the lady's name. She said every night as it started to get dusk, it would start out as very faint sobbing in the field behind the house, distant. And as it got later and darker, the crying got louder. And by the time it was pitch dark, it sounded like it was coming from their cellar and it sounded like jars were rolling and bones were crunching. And these people were renters. So they didn't really know, like they didn't, hadn't been in the cellar. It wasn't like a, a basement area you could use, you could put a TV in there. And it was just kind of a tiny little space. And uh, Sandy said, well, maybe an animal got trapped in there. They were trying to find a logical explanation. So uh, my mom said, sure, I'll check it out with you. And as the ladies got ready to go through the door into the cellar, they got a little nervous and they tried to get the dog to go in. <laughs> the dog would not cross the threshold. The fur went up on the back of his neck. And I'm sure you're aware animals are very sensitive. Yes. Um, they went in and they couldn't find any signs of anything ever being in there. It was a cleanly swept floor. That was a mystery that I may have solved. And this actually is not in a book yet, but 
few years, just a few years ago, it was a few years before my mom died. It was after I first wrote about the sobbing ghost. My mom and I were signing books at a, a special event that the historical society was putting on. And they had pictures on the wall of um, old time Des Moines. And it turned out that the house, the big old house that was right next door to the house with the sobbing had once been an orphanage and it was Daddy Draper's home for children. And he had a traveling um, group of kids. They went all over the country, he taught the kids to play instruments and they would put on shows. And I thought that was really interesting because I thought, okay, I bet that ties in. And then not long after that, Nancy Meyer, who's a really incredible psychic, uh, was on a TV show with me on Halloween. It was Northwest Afternoon, probably around 2004. And they had her on the phone. And this was before uh, you could get on Skype or Zoom. So they had her, uh, it was live, and they had Nancy opening the package I'd sent her um, in the while the show was going on. And they had her on the phone. And she could read photos. She's worked with uh, police departments to solve crimes. She can mm -hmm. look at a crime scene photo and often figure out who the killer is just by doing that. So she pulled the um, the photo out. And it was a photo of um, my, the area where my childhood home was. Uh, the home is no longer there. It's now a park called Overlook Park. So it was a picture of the park. And the first thing Nancy said was, I hear crying. And she said there was a woman sobbing and she said she's crying because her child was taken away from her. And she said the child didn't die, but the authorities thought that she was too young to take care of her. So the authorities took her away. Well, that all kind of tied together. That would make sense why someone might be a ghost might be behind the orphanage looking for her child. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then just a few weeks ago, I found an article because I continued to research about the Drapers. And before they moved to Washington state, uh, they were running another orphan orphanage and they were really bothered because authorities were taking away children of single mothers, widowed mothers, and they felt they were overstepping. And mm -hmm. so they took a bunch of the kids and came to Washington. And so that kind of all ties together. So whether or not, the sobbing ghost is a mother looking for her child. I can't say for certain, but I thought it was really interesting the way all the pieces fell together. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Did you ever find out or get a feeling as to what who was the main haunter in your house growing up? You know, I, I don't really. Well, we actually we think that my great grandfather was the benign spirit there. Um, but I think there were other entities also, um, the crying ghost, probably restless spirits, um, of the native Americans that were buried nearby. Um, but my parents always said that it was my great grandfather and he had been a, met a Methodist minister. Mm -hmm. So when I was a little girl, I felt that he was kind of watching over us. And I thought, I felt really protected because I thought, well, my great grandfather, he's like works for God. You know how little girls right, think. Right, right, right. And so when I was six or seven, when I had a problem, 
I thought, I don't want to bother God. He's really busy. So I'm going to ask my great grandfather. So I will whisper to him. And, and then I got a little older. I thought, oh, that's pretty silly. And then years go by and I'm at a special event in Federal Way, Washington, with some amazing um, psychics, uh, Skip and Sharon are putting on an event. It's one of those deals where people sit in the audience and they read the audience, like they pick up on things. Uh And Skip says to me, um, I smell salt water over here. And remember our house was right on the Puget Sound. And he said, there was a ghost in your house. And I'm kind of, I was kind of stunned because he was, he was zeroing in on something. And he said, you know who this is. He said, you know who this is. He said, you used to whisper to him when you were a little girl. Wow. And that stunned me because I never told anybody that. So maybe he really was connecting uh, with Reverend William John Rule. Yeah, maybe. And like you said, you know, maybe because the first thing that kind of hit me when you were talking about it is that he was there protecting you guys from whatever else was, was running around the property. And he may have been, because like I said, it was spooky sometimes. I was never terrified, but it was scary at times. Absolutely, absolutely. So as you got older, did did your interest increase? Did what? As you got older, you know, your interest in all that was going on in your house, how did it increase? Because teenagers are curious people, you know? Yeah, I've had experiences throughout my life. Um, Yeah. Maybe once every couple of years, something small happens. I've seen apparitions here and there. Mm-hmm. When I set out to research haunted places, I wasn't planning on making myself part of the story. I wanted to interview other people about what they'd seen and do historical research and take dramatic black and white photos of the old buildings. Um, so I really wasn't thinking I'm going to go to this haunted place. I'm going to see a ghost. But some small things did happen. Um, at the Lemp Mansion in in St. Louis, Missouri, there was um, a really haunted area. They had a downstairs area where members of the Lemp family, like two of them had committed suicide. Mm-hmm. And their apparitions would appear there. And the upstairs rooms, they were really, really nice. And I went, I was by myself and... I had just arrived in town and I had an expensive Nikon and I got it out. I was getting everything ready to take pictures the next day, but the dial wasn't working on the camera. It was loose and I fidgeted with it. Nothing, nothing worked. And so I put it on the dresser and I was really discouraged and I went to sleep. I got up in the morning and I thought, what am I going to do without my camera? And I picked it up. And the thing was tight. It worked. Wow. So I thought that might have been a helpful ghost, possibly Elsa Lemp, who grew up in the Lemp mansion. Very interesting. Very interesting story. What did you think of the Lemp mansion? I love that place. Have you been there? I know, but I have seen a lot of stuff and read a lot of stuff on it. Yeah, I I went there. Um, uh writer by the name of Troy Taylor had invited me to the area cool. to give a talk at his bookstore. And it turned out that I was going to be the only person staying at Lamp Mansion that night. And the owner said, oh, you'll have the whole place to yourself to explore. 
uh, I don't know if I want to be here alone. Big, you know, not, not afraid of ghosts, but what else is there? Big, big mansion, more afraid of live people. But I asked Troy for um, to, a recommendation. Maybe he knew a couple of women that would like to come hang out and have a paranormal slumber party. So he did. And a couple of um, great women came and hung out with me. And the as they were falling asleep that night, one of them was really, really frightened. And she heard a voice say, it's going to be okay, like a calming voice. And she, she slipped into a peaceful sleep. And it turned out that was something that had happened there before. I, I read about it in, um, they keep journals for the guests to write about their experiences. Mm-hmm. And almost an identical thing happened to another guest. So I think that it's possible that Elsa Lemp is the friendly ghost and trying to make everybody feel better. Fixing my camera, um, talking to people, helping them fall asleep. I don't know for sure if if a ghost fixed my camera. Um, it was so strange that I didn't even mention it when I Go- Ghosts Among Us was published. That was a book that came out in 2004. Mm-hmm. And that happened while I was researching that book. And I thought, it's just too bizarre. But then I, I decided with this, when I did the update to mention it, because it is kind of interesting and I did never forget it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. How do you d- decide which places you want to write about? I um, like places that, that haven't had a lot of media play. I'm always looking for places that everyone doesn't already know about. And I like um, places that are public or not public, but places where the public can go, like restaurants and hotels and amusement parks. So because readers like to visit the haunted places. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I usually have a mix in the books. I have um, places where people can go and hang out and maybe see a ghost. And then I also have a lot of, of people's per, um, personal experiences, stories about ghosts they've seen and encounters they've had. Mm-hmm. There's one in particular that stuck out to me in reading your books, and that was the Oxford Hotel. Yes. Did you were you struck by that because of who I was there with? That too, yeah. Because yeah. If, if, if one if if one of those ladies that you were there with was scared, like you said, yeah, that for me. <laughs> well, okay. So I went there in what year would it have been? Um, I think around. 2006 or seven with um, Janice Oberding and Debbie Constantino. Um, Janice is an author of ghost books, an expert, and she's um, used to have a business giving tours. And Debbie had become an EVP specialist. She was extremely psychic. We went to a few places together and she could pick up on things. Now, People who are familiar with the ghost world, probably a lot of them know that she became a celebrity and she and her husband had a very tragic end to their lives. Um, Mark uh, and Debbie worked together on collecting the EVP. And I don't know exactly how this happened. I haven't talked to them for a few years, but um, they died murder-suicide and Debbie was the victim, the murder victim, as well as a friend of hers. So 
when I found that out, I thought back about when we stayed at the Oxford Hotel. We stayed in the murder room, room 320, and there was uh, something that occurred there. A couple people died, murder-suicide. And while we were staying there, both Debbie and Janice became very frightened. And I wasn't afraid because I just decided I'm not going to be afraid of ghosts. I'm trying to look at it from a scientific uh, perspective. And I was sleeping in a back room and they were in on cots or a um, pop-down bed in the front room. And during the night, it's ironic because Debbie was there to collect, record, record voices, to get voices. Mm -hmm. She's trying to go to sleep. And now she's hearing voices just it, in her ear, not with any equipment. And she became very frightened. And she, it sounded like two men sitting on the couch mumbling. And then at one point, she felt like a hand just brushed across her belly. And so she asked Janice to come get in the bed with her. And they were both pretty spooked. But I, I mentioned this in the book. I debated on whether or not I should even mention um, Debbie and what happened to her. And then I decided that this ghost world meant so much to her that it would be more disrespectful just to ignore the work she did than to include her story in the book. But I think that she may have become terribly frightened because she was looking at her own destiny. She was going to die in the same way that the ghosts had died. Very, very interesting. Very interesting. Well, I, I knew both Debbie and um, I, I know Janice. And, yes, uh, yeah. If I walked in somewhere and Janice got scared, that'd be enough for me. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> she's a ghost hunter. I'd be like, I would be really, really leery of being in there. Yeah. You know? Because Janice has been to a, a lot of places that I don't think she usually gets afraid. Mm -hmm. but there was one incident. Now, I don't think we said where it was. The Oxford Hotel's in Denver. If anybody's wondering, it's an old hotel. And when I was, um, I was napping in the room and Debbie and Janice had been out and about and they came back to the room and as they put the key in the door, they heard the sound of footsteps. Like somebody was right inside running away. And it wasn't me. Uh, they captured some kind of frightening EVP. There was um, in the basement, or not basement, but the downstairs men's room by the bar. It was closed for the night, but Debbie and Jenna snuck in there and they were collecting the EVP. And they got a very angry male voice saying, Get the blank out of here. I won't say he didn't say blank. He said the word that of course, you're doing. not supposed to say on the radio. But Beep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. They were kind of freaked out by that. That would do it. Yeah. That would definitely do it. Yeah. Well, it's really sad about Debbie, you know, and I just thought, well, I'll just celebrate her life and, and write about her sensitivity, her sixth sense, and um, how dedicated she was to, to it. Oh, absolutely. She was so dedicated. They were very good at what they did. I yeah. I like both of them very much. Absolutely. When you did the research on the place, what, what types of activity, you know, was actually was happening there? At the Oxford? Yes. I didn't experience anything myself. It was the um the things I just told you that 
that Debbie and Janice had experienced the voice, mumbling voices in the night and the, somebody running away. And they were spending their time getting EVP. And right. I was spending my time taking pictures of the building and visiting the library, going through um, the archives because this was before everything was online. Right. So I missed out on a lot when I had to spend time with the library, but it was essential to the, the story to find out the background of a place. That's kind of a cool old building, um, very active. I talked to a manager who told me about a cleaning crew was there one morning and all of a sudden a woman in white floated through a doorway and terrified them. I think people are afraid of ghosts because so many movies have made them scary and they think that's think supposed so. to be their reaction. I think so. I think so. I think when you think about it, um, 10, 15 years ago when this ghost hunting thing just started, yeah, you know, with the TV shows and stuff, the yeah. funny thing I always think of, it's not funny, but back then it was always, you know, when, even with us as an investigation team, when we went into a house to investigate, it was, a, it always was a relative. It was always grandpa, grandma, cousin, but now it's turned into, Oh, I, I know it's demonic because of the TV shows. Well, and I hate that. And I don't watch those shows. As soon as, if I turn on a, a documentary and I'm excited about watching it and then I realize they're trying to make this scary. I turn it off. That's not interesting to me. To me, it's, it's a positive thing when we see proof that our souls live beyond our bodies. Now I'm 65 years old now, so who knows how much longer I'm going to be around. Sure. I like seeing proof that there's more after this. And why do you think, Oh, why do you think like, like in the case of the Oxford hotel, why do you think there's more ghosts in those old hotels than, than in a lot of places? I think cause some, some um, violent stuff happened at the Oxford Hotel, but I don't know that it's necessarily haunted, more haunted than other hotels. That's a really hard thing to measure. Mm -hmm. And a lot of places, hotels they claim where they're the most haunted in the country, but right. how do you measure that? So I guess the ones that have gotten the most media play, have gotten the most news coverage, are considered to be the more haunted places mm -hmm. just because people have stories to tell about them. But I don't think it necessarily means they are haunted, more haunted. Right. The other story I read in one of your books was about the ghost of the toddler. Oh, Johnny Lambert. Mm -hmm. The St. James Hotel in Cimarron, New Mexico. And I stayed there many years ago. I think it was around 1999 um, with my friend Sherry. And I was there to do research for ghosts. And that's a very haunted place. It's, it was a hangout of um, Jesse James and Annie Oakley and Buffalo Bill and the characters of the, the Wild West. Mm -hmm. And um, there's supposed to have been no less than 20 murders in the bar there. And they still have bullet holes in the ceiling. And when I stayed there, I was really interested in learning about um, this encounter that I had seen on the Unsolved Mysteries episode. and. When we arrived, um, they uh, put us, sat us down on a couch where we could watch videos of coverage that the hotel had gotten. And one of the episodes was the Unsolved Mysteries, where an employee at the St. James Hotel had uh, been at work early in the morning, 
when he glanced into the bar and saw a little boy sitting on the bar and the kid was spinning a bottle. And he said, hey, kid, you're not supposed to be down here. Um, you better get back up to your room. And at that moment, the kid uh, jumped down and disappeared into the floor. Um, but what was really creepy was half of his face was scarred as if he'd been burned. And in the in the reenactment that Unsolved Mysteries did, they showed him to be a boy of eight or nine. Now, that night, we had some kind of eerie stuff happen. We were the only ones in the old part of the hotel, but um, my friend heard pacing outside the door. She got really afraid. And I had, had sleep apnea. That was before I had the surgery for it. And I just fall into a deep, deep sleep. So she tried to wake me up and it wouldn't. But at dawn, I came wide awake, wait up, wide awake, wide awake, because I had the sensation of a little hand on my face. It felt like someone was patting me. And suddenly I was just awake. And I told Sherry, I want to go to the cemetery and see if we can figure out who uh, the ghost of the boy is. So we went to the nearby cemetery and I found the Lambert family plot. The Lamberts were the family who had originally owned the hotel. And Henry Lambert was a chef there. He had once cooked for Abraham Lincoln. So he's supposed to be very good. And it attracted a lot of people to that hotel. And I found a grave for little Johnny Lambert, age two and a half, died in the, in the um, 1890s. And I told Sherry, I said, look, I found him. And she said, oh, well, that couldn't be him because Unsolved Mystery showed him as an older boy. And I said, I, I, they may have taken creative license. So I, I want to talk to the witness. So when I got back to Seattle, I uh, tried to track the, the kid down who had seen the ghost. I didn't get to talk to him, but I talked to his father. And he said, my son does not like to talk about it because it frightened him so badly. He did the Unsolved Mysteries episode. That was it. He no longer wanted to talk about it. He said, mm -hmm. I will tell you exactly what he told me. So he said um, that his son walked into the bar and the child on the bar was wearing a white nightgown. And but he even though he was dressed like a little girl in a nightgown in the 1800s, that's how little boys dressed also. And this kid was absolutely certain that it was a male child and there was blonde hair, curly blonde hair, almost down to his shoulders. And despite that, he still felt it was a male. And I said, how old was the child? He said, my son said a little boy. And I said, you mean like a toddler? And he said, yes. And it's a pretty creepy image. The idea of the kid spinning the bottle and then looking up and him seeing the half of the face scarred and then to have him jump off the counter and vanish into the floor. So I wanted to find out if, if Johnny Lambert had scars on his face mm -hmm. and I have not been able to track down any evidence of that, but the St. James Hotel was among photos that I sent to my friend, Nancy Meyer, the psychic. So I hired her to read some photos for the book. And she picked up on, on Johnny's ghost. 
And she described him and I said, is there something wrong with his face? And he said, she said, yes, he was burned. He was running around the kitchen and he ran into somebody and they were burned. And so was he. Now, Nancy had no idea that Johnny lived at the hotel and that his father was the chef there. But it really makes sense that, of course, he's going to gravitate to the kitchen. That's where his father is. And um, Nancy pinpointed a disease that she said children died of in the hotel in the 1890s. And it was diphtheria. Uh -huh. And at the time, Coast to Ghost, Ghost came out. I couldn't validate that. I sent away for the records um, to Cimarron, New Mexico. And this was, of course, before everything was online and had to send a check and wait six weeks. And I got back a letter saying they couldn't find any records. But with this new book, I, when I researched, I looked and looked and looked. I probably looked for two weeks because I really wanted to find it. And I couldn't find anything about his face being scarred. But I did find that Johnny died of diphtheria. And it was in the late 1890s, just like Nancy had said. So that was validating. And after Coast to Ghost, Coast to Coast Ghost came out, probably five, seven years past, I found a picture of Johnny Lambert on somebody's family tree on Ancestry.com. And I asked them if I could use it in the book. And they didn't believe in ghosts, but they said, sure. So the picture's in the book. And sure enough, he had the blonde curly hair, just like um, the employee had seen. So that's also validating. Mm -hmm. Now, whether or not when I put all these pieces together, whether or not I'm correct, I don't know. And I never say I'm certain of anything when it comes to the paranormal. I think it's fascinating and I try to put the pieces together, but I'm not an expert. I don't think anybody can be, not until we're on the other side ourselves. Right. Absolutely. I agree 100%. Is there a place that you haven't um, written about that you've always wanted to go to to investigate or to look into? Oh, there's so many of them. Yeah. Um, I'd love to go to England, some of the haunted castles, Scotland. That would be right. really fun. Because I've been in the United States my whole life, and, um, you know, stuff's not that old here. Right, the right, older right. a place is, the more likely it is to be very haunted. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. What about the Queen Mary or any place like that? The Queen Mary is actually in this um, latest book. I discovered something about the Queen Mary that apparently nobody else was aware of. And again, it was an Unsolved Mysteries episode that inspired me. Mm -hmm. There was a woman by the name of Carol Layden, and she was a waitress on the ship. And she was working there in the 1980s and she worked there for a number of years and she was interviewed by Unsolved Mysteries. And so she was on camera describing what happened. She was in the restaurant early one morning and she was by herself and the restaurant was empty. And all of a sudden there was a lady sitting at a table. So she went over with a pot of coffee and poured it and she glanced at the woman and thought, uh, what a beautiful outfit she has on. She had on this um, really pretty kind of um, out-of-date dress. Um, and she had her braids coiled up on the sides of her head, the way women wore their hair in the 1930s. And then Carol turned around and to go back to the side station, and she wanted to steal one more glance at the pretty lady. She looked back, and the woman was gone. And... 
there have been, uh, there's been a lot of coverage of the Queen Mary and everybody's heard most of the stories over and over again. So I won't even go into them, but I wanted to find something new and something different that everyone was not aware of. It took me a couple of weeks, but I kept digging. I had, I just had a feeling that a woman had vanished from the ship. And so I, I just couldn't give up. And I just, Sometimes I thought, well, am I wasting my time? I'm not seeing anything. But I looked for many days, and finally I found it. Um, in 1936, shortly after the, sh um, the ship launched for the first time, a woman did disappear. It was 20-year-old Jane Carey. Um, it was, uh, the ship was going from England to New York. It was three-quarters of the way across the Atlantic Ocean, and it was a foggy morning. And Jane was on her way home after spending a year in Italy. She loved the Italian language and she was a wealthy heiress and her family lived in Lynn, Massachusetts in her grandmother's mansion. And she was assigned a cabin mate. Uh, it wasn't a close friend. It was um, just an assigned roommate because it was a cheaper, cheaper room. Okay. And her roommate, um, ducked out for just a minute in the morning. And when she went back, Jane was gone. And she waited a little while. When Jane never came back, she told the, the um, people who worked on the ship and they searched. There was no sign of her. She's never been discovered. Nobody knows what happened to her. We never got answers. And her poor family. Um, but I found photos of her. And sure enough, she had those braids coiled up on the side of her head. So I thought it was really interesting that that Carol had seen the ghost early in the morning. And that would have been the time that, that Jane would have been getting ready to go to breakfast. Mm -hmm. And so it makes you wonder, is her restless spirit still waiting for breakfast? And I really wanted to talk to, to Carol Layden. I wanted to show her the photos. And I was sad to see that she passed away a few years back. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't able to get that validation from her. So I think it's um, it's possible that Jane was the ghost that she saw. And people have also reported seeing a woman in a white dress dancing on the ship. And the night before Jane disappeared, she had been dancing on the ship. So that possibly could also be her ghost. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, when I was aboard, I took the, in fact, way, way back, to, even, even before, like, there's like some, the 1980s we took the ghost tour which you know they have some scare stuff in there i don't know if they do it anymore yeah. like that but i mean like the doorknobs would, would move on their own and da, 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 you da. saw it happen yeah cool yeah. but I, I even back then i questioned it because i thought you know they were doing special effects yeah that's what i figured you know and so i kind of blew it off but i got to the dining area one of the dining areas and um i was walking along with the tour and my friend turned back to me and said hey you're white as a sheet and i said yeah because i said something something just happened my stomach did a complete flip wow now later on as a ghost hunter i learned what that meant that something will you know goes through you goes through your body and that's what happens you, you feel that flip and i had to sit down I said, I'll catch up to you guys. I have to sit down after this because I never had that happen before. You were in the and, dining area when this happened? Yeah. 
And so the tour guide comes back and he says, well, what's going on? And so I told him, and he says, wow, that happens to a lot of women in this area. Wow. And what he told me at the time was that there was a little girl that they think fell overboard. Really? And she's I, forever. I back nothing about a girl falling overboard in my search. Really? And that's what he told me. And he said that she, they think that she hooks onto women because she's, she's looking for her mother. I've heard a few um, uh, on some of the documentary stories about these children so that were supposedly something happened to them on the ship and it may have happened i just right. couldn't find anything about right, it right 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 but that was the first time you know even growing up in a haunted house that was the first time something ever ran through me to where i could feel my stomach look like yeah that. and this yeah. was when you were just starting out doing the research i wasn't even doing that i was just there on vacation and i thought well let's ha 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 let's you know, let's go have some fun and go, go oh on really go on the haunted See. tour ha huh? You were very skeptical. You were, yeah. you thought, oh, the doorknob's twisting there. Doing yeah. The yeah. And I said, look, that's got to be you know, something that got rigged on the doorknob. Just like, just like the whole thing with the, with the guest room, you know, the, the, the bed's made, you know, and then they yeah. reopen the door and the bed's all messed up. And I thought, what a bunch of hokey crap they've got going on here. Cause I had heard stories because, you know, like my father told me, my father who served in world war II told me about the thing about the, 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 the ship ramming, another boat right and then after boat. that they would hear voices up uh up in that part of the bow you know yeah ghostly voices and stuff so i thought well okay let's go aboard and check it out and that's i had that experience on the boat on the ship yeah huh well that's yeah. a fascinating place and about a year ago they were trying to decide if they were going to sink it mm -hmm. which was going to cost millions or fix it up and keep it going, which was going to cost more millions. The numbers were astounding in either case. And I think they've decided that they're going to try to keep going with it. I hope so. Well, they're almost done there. In fact, I read something on Facebook, came across my Facebook feed the other day that they're on the last leg of, of the repairs. Good. Good. I hope it sticks around because just the history is so fascinating. Well, yeah. And I'm sure like the ghosts, you know, I'm sure they're watching all this stuff being done on the ship. Because, I mean, you, you hear about the guy that got crushed, you know, you know that story, yeah, too, about the guy door. that got crushed in the watertight door. And he didn't, act, I found an article about his death. He didn't actually die at that moment. He was taken to another part of the ship where he died. Ooh, what a way to go. Yes. Yeah, that was really, really sad. That was bad tragedies. Lots of, lots of icky stuff happened there. What do you think is one of the most haunted... Um, towns of everything you visited in your books which one strikes you as the most haunted possibly captain tony's the uh, uh, saloon in key west and why uh, is that haunted place um thornwood castle in tacoma uh -huh. washington lakewood that's where stephen king filmed um rose red or they made rose red They've made the movie Rosewood based upon his book. That was, I stayed there. That was pretty haunted. But I, I liked, um, I liked Key West and I liked the Captain Tony story. And Tony now has passed away. Uh, he was in his 90s when he died 10, 10 or so years ago. But I visited there around 1998. And Tony was really a character. And he had been the mayor at one time. And he, um, 
he was hanging out in the bar and I went in and I told him I was writing a book about ghosts and he, what could he tell me? And so we sat down and he said, I've never told anybody the story before. So I felt really honored that he, he told this to me, but there is a big tree growing up in the middle of the bar. And we sat under that tree and he said that in the 1960s, um, he was uh, living there with a cocktail waitress and they had an apartment that was attached. And one night, it was after they were closed, they saw this woman in blue kind of drifting through the courtyard um, right outside the bar, but it was enclosed. It had a fence around it. And he, he thought, that's pretty interesting, but it happened a couple of times and his girlfriend got so afraid that she moved out. Well, a few years after that, Tony was preparing to cut down this big old tree. So, cause he wanted to enclose the whole restaurant. Okay. And as he got, got his chainsaw out, an old timer ambled by and said, you can't cut down that tree. That's the old hanging tree. And he told captain Tony that when he had been a kid, he and his friend had sat eating sandwiches. This was the entertainment back then watching the hangings in town. And that there was a woman who had been convicted of murdering her husband and children, and she was being executed. But he said it took her a very long time to die. They messed up with the with the lynching, and he said, you know, they sat there and watched the whole thing. And he described it to Tony, and it was pretty horrific. But Tony agreed. Well, no, I can't cut this tree down. And so over the years, people will, will glimpse like a little bit of blue and or the sear out of the corner of their eye. And then in the restroom there, sometimes someone will be, it's a small bathroom, small ladies room. They'll be in there and they'll hear, they'll be in their stall and they hear a woman say, don't forget to jiggle the handle. You don't jiggle the handle when you flush. <laughs> and they get up and they you don't do it, jiggle it and go out and there's no one there. Oh my gosh. It was a very conscientious ghost. That's very funny. Um, yeah. A lot of my study is, is, a, is a ghost hunter in these old hotels. A lot of the most haunted areas are, are bathrooms. You know, and you know why I think that is? Um, so staircases and bathrooms, because their configuration does not change or rarely changes over the years. The stairs remain in the same place. Um, usually the toilets and the bathtub stay in the same place. Mm -hmm. And where I, the rest of the place, the energy could be changed with furniture moved all around. Right. Because I've noticed that too. The ba the bathroom. I thought about it with bathrooms too. Is that the plumbing? Because unless they unless they do a lot of digging underneath, a lot of that plumbing, except the stuff, except for the stuff within six feet or whatever they can get down to, is old. And so that's why they don't change change it. Right. Oh, that's why. That's yeah. why. So that it doesn't change. So then that's like the right. the plumbing that was there. And so you got attachments with that in the water. Right. I probably yeah, they the same. And then also on the flip side, sometimes we see remodeling waking spirits up. Yes. And yes. I've heard a lot of cases of ghosts seen walking out through a wall where a doorway used to be. And they yes. take the same path they did in life. Yes, I have been out with psychics on my team who were so into their reading that they have walked straight into walls because they see it as, the, as it was. Wow. 
they must be really good. Mm -hmm. They right, see. Yeah. Good. It's, it's funny, but it's not. You know what I mean? Yeah, what yeah. Even though for them, it's like, you know, they're, they're hurting because they hit their nose on the wall. But yeah, boom, right in the walls. Have you seen a ghost? I have. Several times. Are, are you going to tell us one story? I grew, or up in a haunted house. Huh? I grew up in a haunted house. Oh, you did too. Cool. I'm, I'm, I have abilities. You know, I grew up with abilities in a haunted house. But outside of that, I, I have seen I've seen three ghosts here. But the one that stands out most to me is I was at the wash the old Washu Club in Virginia City. Yep, that's Janice Overding's favorite place. Yes. And I wasn't feeling that great that night. So I stayed at the control center. And this is before they went through and put the extra railings in for safety. I mean, it was it was flat, mm -hmm. it was dark, unsafe. So one of my team leaders comes in. I'm sitting at the I'm sitting at the command center. And I told him, I said, look, make sure you guys double up and stay against, you know, push against the wall when you go down the stairs because it's pitch black and those and those stairs are black. Yeah. And I don't want anybody falling or anything. Right. And they were, were already having things as they were there. And I, I'll tell a story too after this about just getting in there too. But anyway, I'm sitting there and there's somebody else in the room with me. Okay. And it's amazing uh -huh. how one person can see stuff and another person doesn't see it. So as I'm sitting there at this table, this is like 10 minutes later after I talked to this guy. Yeah. I see what I think looks like him walking in. Really? He looked and like that. He was dressed in black and it had an orange. It was like, you know, like the like, like when you watch 3D cartoon, like like Polar Express without the 3D, without the 3D right. glasses. Everything looked orange. This yeah. thing looked orange. Wow. It was, he, he, it was a man. He walked in. That's why I thought maybe... It was this guy, this this, this guy because he's, he's a, I hate to say he's a redhead so you know so yeah. I thought maybe it's Jerry walked in around my table was coming around the edge of my table and I said Jerry what the hell are you doing where's your partner and the second I said that gone wow and the gal that was sitting next to me did not see it <laughs> that's the clearest one I've ever seen outside my house now yeah. when we first got to that place. They took us on a walking tour because we, you know, of course we'd be wandering through there at night. Mm -hmm. And we got into this room and Jerry was standing behind me. And the room's weird because it's built into the hill. Yeah. So you when, when you look out the window, the hill is right, right there. But you're on the side of a, you know. And as I'm standing there, I swear to God, I felt the floor rotate under me. Wow. And I didn't say anything. And I and finally. I looked, I looked to Jerry behind me and he goes, yeah, the floor is moving. And wow. so there were about five or six on my team. There were about 20, 25 of us there. It's a big place. Yeah. And about five or six of my team reported the same thing. Of this, wow. floor, feeling this floor rotate. Huh. And from what they told us that winter when people would pass away at this place, they would store bodies there because they could get them out through that window. Oh, wow. But it was so weird. I've never had a fun, I've never felt that sensation since of a floor physically moving underneath me as I'm walking <sighs> into a place. That I know two or three of my other investigators, you know, saw apparitions in, in, in that place too. It's cool. very, very active. Now my house, on the other hand, in fact, I just did a thing on TikTok about that. Um, when I first started seeing stuff, I was real little and I would see dark things. I would see shadow people. All the time in my house and when i got into um middle school i used to come home i was i was, I was a latchkey kid and i get home 2 30 every day call my mother because she was working you know and then i'd fix myself a little snack and sit down 
at my bar, well, my bar breakfast nook thing and eat. And the breakfast nook faced out on, onto my living room. But there was like a small little walkway thing because my living room was, my, my dining room was off to the left and we had a divider yeah. on this side. And the fireplace was, you know, a little above, above from where the divider was. As I'm sitting there, I see what looks like a sheet go from my fireplace to my divider. But it was transparent. Really? A sheet? A sheet. Oh, just like just wow. like you would think a ghost would be like on on TV or some kid's show or whatever. Wow. That's yeah. what I saw. Wow. And I went, wow. You know, and I remember telling my mom about it and stuff. And then the funny thing is, a few years later, I was sitting there, same spot, and it went back the other way. Ha. Huh. And did you ever get to the bottom of it? Well, the only thing I can come up with was that I found out from the neighbor that before we moved in and before the people before us moved in, some nuns had been in this house. Oh, so the white sheet like thing. They used to play badminton in my backyard. The ghosts of the nun or the, no, the nuns? Themselves, the nuns themselves. Did so you find why, out? That's why that was my thought was that it was a, it was a nun probably. Yeah. Did you find out if any of them died on the premises? No, never found that out. If you I want, I can look it up. I, well, that would be I, great. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. Send me the address and yeah. I will. But it's so active I, here. It's, you know, it's craziness. I love doing the digging so, and finding out. You know, what and, um, yeah. So it's been unique. My mother saw someone one time. I know I'm sleeping on the couch. I must have been like 12, something like 12 or something. And I was sleeping on the couch and my little baby niece was here. And my mother saw someone going up, up and down, you know, walk up the hallway because I remember her waking me up because she yelled at me because she thought it was me. Yeah. She's, your, mom, your mom say a little girl? No, it's, yeah, because I, I, was just, I was 12 years old, so. Oh, yeah. So, I, yeah. Outside. The other one I saw that was clear was, and my mother had just had a stroke, and she was sleeping in her room, and you always think of death apparitions, you know, and so I was sleeping. At that time, I slept on the couch because both my mother and father were elderly, and so that was my way of being able to get up and, you know, get to, get to the car, right. get to the hospital, do what I do. And I happened to wake up and I saw what looked like my mother standing there watching me from the center divider. And then she turned around and she walked down through the kitchen and I saw her make the turn to go down the hallway and I went to follow her and she was gone. And I thought, oh my God, she died. So I went back to the room and she was fine. And the only thing I could think of is my mother's sister was only seven months or eight, nine months older than her. Oh. And I thought, I'll bet it was, cause, you know, they would look alike, you know, and I thought, I bet it was my aunt. That could have been, and it may have been your mother astral projecting without being aware. It could have been that too, without her realizing it. Yeah, yeah. especially if she was asleep. Yeah, I did see it clearly. You know, so yeah, but that was my first thought, and I thought, oh God, she passed away. I'm gonna have to go check. Yeah, that was, that must have been a little startling. Yeah, yeah. So I've seen I've seen quite a bit here. Uh, things move around here. You you hear whispers here. Objects move around all the time. Yeah. I had this poor dog. I know I, I have this uncle that likes to play tricks. And I used to have this poor dog that looked like his dog. And uh -huh. I remember, you know, those big Pepsi bottles. My dad used to buy those things all the time, put them on the floor. I remember watching as my dog was walking across the floor and something pushed the Pepsi bottles down in front of her. Really? Yeah. And so she was flaying all over the place, you know. Huh. Yeah. So it's, it's, been, it's been wild, you know. And then I've gone to haunted hotels. In fact, for a while there, when I first started ghost hunting again, when I went out to ghost hunt, I remember I would see things before we went to the ghost hunt. I, I would see who we were who we were looking for. In your mind's eye. 
in my mind's eye when I was working. Yeah, yeah like one time I went in the restroom yeah. and where I worked, I looked over my shoulder and I saw this 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 gray haired lady in a smock. And that was in your mind's eye or out or your I don't know. I, I, I could see her clearly. You know what I mean? Oh and then when well, I turned back around, she was gone. Well, because I'm making this distinction like like a thought. There's a thought or yeah. there's someone that looks like they're really standing there. there. Yeah. You saw so, someone that could have been I saw someone somebody. there, yeah, physically. And then she yeah. was gone. Huh. And then at that, that weekend, we were investigating uh, Preston School, Reform School. And they had killed they had killed one of the ladies that worked there, the boys. Oh. So I think it was her I saw, you know. So I was getting to that point where I was seeing stuff like that. So, yeah, you know, once I got back into it, it really started to flow. <laughs> That's really started yeah. happening, you know. Well, and you're sensitive to start with, and you're thinking yeah. about it. And you're visiting haunted locations, so it makes sense you'd be having yep. lots of experiences. Yeah, yep. Does it run in your family? Yes, my mother was sensitive. Passed down from the woman, probably. Yeah, that's kind of how it is in my family. My mom was had a very, very strong sixth sense. Yeah. So yeah, so here I sit in a haunted house, do my thing. You know, it's yeah. really since my mother passed away, it's really been calm. I think she keeps everybody in line. Good. Yeah, our yeah. moms are still here. I yeah. I don't think it's the end. No, it's not. It's not the end. What I did with my mother too when she passed is I wanted to make sure because being a ghost hunter, I, I know all this stuff, you know. So I bathed her in a certain scented soap. Uh-huh. So I know when she's here. Oh. Huh. Because I can smell her. Yeah. Huh. You know? But it's cool. You know, the, this isn't the end, at least. You know, it's nice no. to know that it's not the end. It makes, it's I mean, it doesn't make not losing the person any less heartbreaking, but in, in a way no. it helps because you know that they're there with you no matter what, you know, that they're going to be around. So, yeah, it helps me a lot n be believing that they're still, they're okay. Sometimes better than they were when they were here because they're old or sick and right now they've got their strength back. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Leslie, this has been a joy. Absolute joy to have you on. Thanks for having me. It was fun. And I would love to have you on again sometime. It sounds good. Okay, cool. Cool, cool, cool. But uh, is there anything is there anything you have that's that's coming up that you want to want to talk about? Not really, but here's the cover of my book if anyone's interested. With that. Give, give me one second here i'm gonna help you out with that so people can see it ready so it's go. um it's there we go yeah. yeah so it's available as uh an audio uh ebook uh -huh. or a print book cool a lot right of people on. are listening to books nowadays instead of reading them they can listen as they clean house or they're driving somewhere absolutely I have all your books. I love your books. Thank you. I read them over and over. I love it. Well, thank you. I love to read them in different places. I love someday to hear I'll... someone read my book for the second time. That's a someday high compliment. Some of those places, you know, but um, yeah, I, I just love reading them. I do. I can't wait to read your, your oh, but what about, what about your crime novels? Tell me about your crime novels. Well, the true crime book, the um, A Tangled Web, it's been out for, gosh, it's been out for almost three years now. And yeah. that was the Omaha Love Triangle Murder. It was actually made into a Lifetime movie um, that aired in October, um, but they changed the name to The Disappearance of Carrie Farver. Um, they didn't use the title of the book, but it was based on my book. Mm -hmm. 
that was a really fascinating case. Uh, most, one of the most unusual I've ever seen. It was a case where um, you've got two females and one of them is appears to be petite, soft-spoken. She's a mother, but she's got a side to her that very few people have seen. And the other woman disappears and the police do not believe Carrie's family that something happened to her because the killer impersonates Carrie online and in text and sends over 20,000 emails. She tries to make it look like Carrie is a stalker. Wow. It's really shocking, but um, there was some amazing detective work that finally got the case solved. So I, I, I like the way the book turned out. I cool proud of it. So I hope have to read that one too. Wow. I shall read that. I promise. Well, I'll, read it. I'll have my publishers uh, send you one. Make sure that I have your address. Yeah, I'll do that. I'll yeah. It'll be interesting to see if there were nuns here, you know, that the Catholic church maybe rented this house out for some reason. I don't know, you know, but that's what the neighbor told me about the nuns. So, yeah. So your house was that backyard was next to the church. No, that's why the church is three or four blocks away. Oh, but why were the nuns playing I don't volleyball? Know. That's what he said, that they were playing badminton back there. That's what your neighbor said? Yeah. Huh. Well, it must have been, like you say, it must have been, maybe it was the um, house for employees or something. Yeah, or something. Yeah, send, send me, yeah, send me. I will, I will, I will. Yeah, send me all that and I'll look into it. All right. Yeah, send me your, your mailing address now, and I'll make sure the publisher okay. sends you a copy of a Tangled Web. Oh, fantastic. Thank you. And then we'll get you back on again. This was fun. Yeah, it was great. It was nice to see you. My idol. All right. You have a good one, Leslie. You too. Okay, bye-bye. All right. That she's she's been one of my idols for a while, along with her, her mother as well. I used to read all her mother's book as well. Okay, tomorrow we're back live. We're back with Nancy Matz and uh She's got an interesting topic that she wants to talk about, and uh, we'll see her tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. Pacific. So, uh, again, if you guys like the show, share it with five people. If you hated the show, share it with five of your enemies. We are equal opportunity here at California Haunts Radio. We're just trying to get the word out about this show. And, again, if you were watching from Facebook and you like what you see and you haven't done so already, please hit that follow button and uh, show us some love. Give us some thumbs up and some hearts and all that good stuff. Same thing with YouTube. If you haven't subscribed already, please please subscribe. There's a lot of stuff to look at. Um, and I really appreciate you subscribing. And uh, again, show me some love. Uh, check us out on TikTok. We, uh, I'm always on TikTok after hours, so check that out. Uh, California Haunts, low lowercase. Oh, you can find me on Instagram as well as Ghosty Gal, and that's all lowercase. All right, guys, I will see you, to I will see you tomorrow, 6.30 p.m. Pacific, and I'm going to show you Leslie's contact information and the book. So here we go. Author, LeslieRule.com is the website. And Haunted in America. <laughs> Ghosts Among Us. And Coast to Coast Ghosts. Ghost in the Mirror. And When the Ghost Screams. And, of course, she's got some two or three other books as well. 
And you can get those either from on her website or get them directly from Amazon. All right, guys, I'll see you tomorrow, 6.30 p.m. Pacific. Have a great night. <laughs>